time for the turkey <laughs> the center of it all the center of it all heaven knows why hello <laughs> to everyone lauda who are you hi jeff i'm lauda um i'm our resident uh, food anthropologist and chef who likes to focus on restaurants and resources for queens you know your stuff i, I love this stuff it, it it blows my mind every time i think about this podcast and the food aspect of it particularly like Lauda knows her stuff you know I'm never not reading about food never not total double negative <laughs> do you count okay I guess you wouldn't count food when you're sleeping because you're sleeping I dream about it do you really I do I do you have food dreams I do definitely yeah and I have dreams about food systems and food networks it's it's terrible. I don't think I've ever dreamt about <laughs> food. It may have popped in and popped out, but it wasn't like a full on. Because you're the food anthropologist. That's the reason why. Yes, I think everything is rooted. I think our identities are rooted in food. So where would we be? I think about it all the time. <laughs> about eating it? About eating food. I'm always <laughs> like first thing in the morning. It's like, what am I eating today? So who, who are you, Jeff? Aside from thinking about food, yeah. I manage <laughs> our I'm manager of committee development here at Queens Chamber, also in-house editor for our magazine. This is Queensboro, and thrilled to be co-hosting this amazing podcast with you, where we get to talk it. about food and laugh and eat. And eat. <laughs> That's right. Laugh and eat. Shout out to our global audience. Thank you for listening keeping those cards and letters coming. We're enjoying it. They yeah. used to say that back in the day. Keep those cards and letters That's coming. Right. Are we getting fan mail yet, Jeff? <laughs> I we wish. have to like look. Text. We need to check that out and see. Yes, keep listening, you guys. Definitely. And where can they find us? Oh, my gosh. They can tune in anytime to listen wherever they get their podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Podbean app, Player FM, Samsung, and tune in plus Alexa I know that's what used an Alexa Alexa's cool it's a little dot thing <laughs> and I shut her off because if you don't push the button to mute her she hears everything that you're so that's the tune in Alexa oh. so if you have that little dot and you say Alexa play I'm glad there's not one in the room here because she would, would start saying something but that's what tune in Alexa <laughs> is so there are a lot there are a number of radio stations who Use tune in and tune in is tied to Alexa. Interesting. I learned something new today. See, always <laughs> learning something new. So, segment, uh, it, so last episode. I am still so jazzed about that last episode. The last episode was fire. Yeah. Actually, literally. Literally. Fire, fire on your tongue. Literally. Fire on the mountain. Fire. <laughs> So before we got to fire, we reflected on what Queen's Chamber did during the early days of pandemic by supporting our local restaurants. We also talked about what 
we did in the early days of pandemic with from perspective of what we cooked and how we fared and how we supported our local restaurants. And then we turned up the heat with our first guest. That's right. <laughs> that was that was that was interesting. It was fantastic. I think the biggest thing we came away with besides highlighting Kevin Heath is that you might like spicy food. It's better than I thought. <laughs> my my tongue got my lips got a little numb. That's what's supposed to happen. But it wasn't like a numbing that lasted a long time. It was a brief numbing. Yeah. Well, that was some well-balanced pepper sauce. Uh, Uncle Yankee. That's right. You got to get some. You got to <laughs> try it yourself. I think there was a one point in that episode when we were testing that. Did you say that you were like, you were going to tap out or something? Me? Maybe no, I was, I was ha- having more <laughs> trouble than you. I was struggling a little bit. That's what I thought. That's <laughs> but, what uh, I thought. No, I was good. I was good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so this episode, we're going to talk about how Queen's Chamber gives thanks. Casseroles and potlucks and our favorite Thanksgiving stories. And where it all began, the origin. Everything has an origin story. We've talked about this before. Everything has an origin. So where it began. And we'll share some of the best spots that you can go to for Thanksgiving dinner if you're not cooking. That's right. If If you like to go to the restaurants for it and you're not just doing Asian food, there's some legit Thanksgiving dinners out there. Exactly. And, of course, we'll stick a fork in it and eat something, as we always do. So Queen's Chamber gives thanks, and we're extremely thankful for all of our members, all of our partners, all of our elected officials, our community affiliates. I mean, without them, we wouldn't be who we are. And it's the business community that we support that makes this community what it is right organizationally you need all of those people to make a chamber so you certainly do you certainly do so it's this time of year when when everybody's in the and we should be thankful year-round so it's not like we wait until november and say oh we're thankful for we're thankful every day you're probably thankful at all of the committee things that you do and go to networking events exactly the committees are amazing i mean it's 13 committees that run the gamut of all industries and thrilled and thankful for the 135 volunteers, all chamber members, but volunteers who labor and toil over giving the best that they can, their expertise and knowledge. So, I mean, it's, it's a time to give thanks. And we are thankful as a Queens Chamber for all those who contribute to what we do. And we're thankful to give back to the community and some small way. And it goes back, ties back to our bylaws as well that were established in 1911. Advocate, educate, and network. And we will continue to do that as we close out 2022 and into 2023. So thank you for supporting Queen's Chamber. Casseroles and podcast and and not pie, pas- yeah. <laughs> casseroles and potlucks. Casseroles. Do you have a favorite? Well, we didn't do too many growing up, but my stepmother did the 
um, chicken Velveeta broccoli rice casserole to take to potlucks. So that was that was the memorable one. It was pretty much always that one. Chicken Velveeta. <laughs> broccoli and rice. I think, but that's, it, how was it? I mean, it's good if you like Velveeta. Okay. Yeah. Velveeta's got a little something, something being, going on. I think people like it at potlucks. And potlucks, what's your, do you have, because potlucks happen around, well, in two spaces, one in the workspace and then one personally because individuals will, like, go to a gathering and someone's bringing a dish. Do you have a a dish that you prefer to take to a potluck? Well, I personally think potlucks don't happen enough. I think it should happen much more. I feel like it's a little old-timey. Um, so I'm glad to hear people are still doing potlucks at the office. What I think people have sort of turned to is going cheating, going to the grocery store and picking up a charcuterie plate or something pre-made or some kind of a salad, even if it's like a potato salad or a chicken salad, and not necessarily doing it at home. But in the beginning when people were cooking from their own homes and bringing those items that told a lot about you and you brought yourself to the table in that way, even if it was something weird like jello mold <laughs> shrimp. <laughs> and and it was a communal meal yes. because everyone brought something to the It makes me table. think of church. Yeah. That's where we had most of our potluck. Yeah, and you'd want to show off there and really bring something good that you know, like the blue ribbon something that. Okay, so I would be considered that person who, because I'm not a cooker per se, although as the years have progressed, I'm better at cooking, but I would be one of those persons who would sign up for something really simple, like <laughs> chips, like the chips or ice. Oh gosh, yeah, that reminds me of of school. <laughs> I was telling someone the other day how much I loved the cakewalk when we would oh, have we would have potlucks at the school and they would usually be enchilada dinners. That was a really big thing mm. growing up where all of the grandmothers would get in the line and make the enchiladas and we'd get enchilada plates. But people would bring really elaborate cakes too and I remember being <laughs> a little kid like I want to win that cake. Was it like raffle or how the? How was yes, that? you had to be on the correct square when the music stopped. It was kind of like a, what's the one where you run around the chairs? Oh, the, the musical chairs, yeah, right? Like musical chairs for cakes. But, but it's almost like when you're taking something to a potluck, you always want to bring your best, your A game, because you never want your dish to be the one that when you look around, and everybody else's is almost gone, and you and know no, what you brought, and there's like one square gone. No one touched it. But I'm weird too because I like things like tuna, and tuna casserole is good. Tuna casserole's good. Yeah. That used to be my signature casserole, oh. which flipped into now a chicken casserole. So it's tricolor pasta with the, oh, what is it? The, oh, dang it. It's chicken, it's tricolor pasta. It is the peas. Yes. I put peas in it. I love peas. And I use the Campbell's mushroom chicken soup. Yep. And sprinkle some cheddar cheese in and bake it. And then I use potato chips for a crust oh. and potato chips for 
the topping and it's like broken. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me think about those little fried onions that you put on top of the green bean casserole. I, I knew green bean casserole was going to come up in this conversation. <laughs> I just don't understand green bean casserole. I think it's kind of gross and weird. I it think they're the trying to dress up nasty green bean. It, it's simple because it's <laughs> what? It's green beans. It's the mushroom soup. Yeah, bacon sometimes. we th- My family put bacon in it. Really? Yeah, and then that the cans of crunchy onions. The Ugh. nastiest <laughs> stuff. I don't think I've ever eaten anybody's, and I hope the green bean casserole doesn't show up at an upcoming potluck because now someone will hear that we're talking about the green bean casserole. <laughs> and they will like, feel shame. <laughs> Hang your head in shame. It's funny that the Campbell's cream of mushroom soup is so ubiquitous and crosses cultures, too, because in my family, we made the green chili enchilada casserole with it. Really? Yeah. So Campbell's has like has the lock on the casseroles and and it's it's that ingredient that you can put in anything and makes everything everything. Yeah, it's like a base. So w- is is there a is there a Campbell's soup that you use because you're the chef? So I would think that you're like pulling stuff from scratch and like chopping stuff up. And yeah. but is there a Campbell's soup that you it's a go to for you that you pour in? That is the only thing I make with it is the green chili sauce for a green chili enchilada casserole, and I'll open a can. I've never purchased Campbell's outside of that. I do have a chef friend who works there, and it's a pretty interesting job, but we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> it's, that's a cool, it's a cool research and development job, good R&D. But no, I don't believe I've ever opened any, any other can of Campbell's soup. Except for, okay. <laughs> I want to try that green chili enchilada. That, yes. That sounds so good. delicious. And the next time I make that chicken casserole with the tricolor pasta. It's like Rasta pasta. It is like Rasta. <laughs> now I can put some spice in it because I've ex- <laughs> I've dabbled into the spices thanks to Uncle Yankee. Thank you. So the origin of Thanksgiving. So the story they tell us, right? We kind of grow up learning about the pilgrims and the Indians and they had a first supper together. Do Within my research that I've done in the food anthropology world around it, there's really only two remaining documents that actually highlight the first meal that they've been able to pull from. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of fowl, a lot of local birds, a lot of deer, and things that could be hunted and gathered in the region. So the indigenous items. And it's not actually certain whether or not the wild turkey was at the first meal. What what do, so what may have been the first ducks, other fowl, like other birds. So how did turkeys enter into the turkey? Is so uniquely USA. It's so it's indigenous to the southern part of the United States, mm-hmm. a little bit into Mexico. And wild turkeys are crazy. I don't know if you've ever seen one out in the wild. They're freaking cool. They're loud and scary, and they run up trees. <laughs> they do not resemble the farm turkey. Oh, <laughs> wild turkeys are nuts. They really are. They're kind of fun to, fun to hunt. Really? Um, but, yeah, it was 
all, all of our founding fathers and these important people who were naming things were just loved the turkey. Abraham Lincoln, I think, in b- later, way after the Pilgrims and the Indians, kind of decided that the turkey was the centerpiece, and they started breeding turkey to be farm animals. It's so interesting. I know. <laughs> our history is, is funny. It 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 is. So... What is your favorite Thanksgiving story? I know you've got one. I think, I mean, Thanksgiving is crazy because the whole entire family gets together. And I really like the times that extended family that you didn't know were coming comes (laughs) and disrupts it. I think we had a rifler once going through everybody's medicine cabinets. Like (laughs) a girlfriend of an uncle. We're like, what is happening? What happened to regular Thanksgiving? But the whole tradition of it, and knowing what your grandmother's going to make. Know each person had a piece, had a part in it. Right. It wasn't, um, in our family, it wasn't like one matriarch who took over. Everybody contributed. My right. grandmother's thing was <coughs> creamed peas. But everybody loved them and ate them. Really? Did you eat them? Yeah. Yeah. We ate everything. I mean, kind of supposed to <laughs> we didn't want just like you said we couldn't hurt anyone's feelings exactly and leave the ambrosia or waldorf salad behind because exactly that, i don't like that stuff <laughs> so so is there one particular thanksgiving that comes to mind that like really resonates my story of thanksgiving is more tied to identity okay um so it's something that i used as when i when i left home mm-hmm. um i would always think back on how we had ham and tamales because it was always Mexican food incorporated in. So it wasn't just the traditional. We would incorporate these other aspects too. And pozole, which was very new Mexican. It's a hominy with pork, a big stew that kind of cooks forever with Mm. chilies, red chilies in it. I think Thanksgiving dinners typically try, not try, but typically play into traditions of whatever your family's culture is. Right. Because with us, it's it's always the turkey, the dressing. My mom used to make this really, really good dressing. And my sister-in-law always made, like, always makes this, like, really huge turkey, but, like, lots of meats. So it's always a lot of everything. I think it's more, like, I don't have a, sp- I can't think of a specific, thanksgiving story but it's just time when family comes together and everyone eats around the table you give thanks you like fall asleep and then you eat more and there's leftovers and then there's the aluminum foil that comes out and the plates and the bags because you're taking food home because there's so much it's the whole tradition of it and families make tradition and they make tradition in place based on what the local culture is exactly so do you i know i think i know the answer to this question but i'm going to ask you do you eat do you prepare or do you purchase growing up we made everything. Nothing was allowed to be purchased. That was super taboo. Um, and I have to admit, you know, living in a tiny New York City apartment, I, I do not make Thanksgiving. <laughs> Definitely really? not. We tend to, no, what am I going to bake a turkey? <laughs> that's, that's insane. <laughs> I'm going to thaw a turkey. Oh. But um, as a chef, we definitely always had a Thanksgiving meal that we added to the menu for oh. that special day for families who didn't want to or couldn't cook at home. Yes. But I follow the tradition of 
at the holidays going and getting more Asian cuisine, like dim sum. Really? Yep. Yep. That was a very holiday thing. I know it's a thing in the Jewish community as well to go and eat Chinese on the hol- on the um, on the American holidays. Interesting. Yep. I'm a cook. I'm a cooker sometimes. I'll eat. I'm always Make an turkey. eater. Okay, so the last time I attempted a turkey <laughs> was two years ago with this air fryer. <laughs> Needless to say, the turkey, it was like the breast, the turkey breast. I was going to say, a turkey fits in the air fryer? i got to get one of these. Oh, my gosh. It was a <laughs> mess. Everything else was done. Like, the the dressing was done. The, what else did I have? I had corn pudding that was done. Mm. But this turkey did not cook well. <laughs> and I kept flipping it, and it would cook a little longer. I would, like, cook it a little bit longer, and I kept flipping it. I shoved it in, so this turkey breast was forced into this air fryer. <laughs> it was a mess. It the turkey didn't was, have room to breathe. The turkey was a mess, and but I mean, it's like, what do you do? You got to eat it. You're yeah. not, you're not going to throw going. it out. You got to keep going. I didn't invite anybody over for that <laughs> horrifying <laughs> Thanksgiving meal. But and I've seen people deep fry turkeys on their like front in their front yard. But there the were like. Lots of there have been serious accidents yeah, with that's a terrible idea. You know what the best is is the cooking it in the bag where when it's done that little plastic thermometer pops up <laughs> just does it by itself. You don't have to think about it. But you have to get it in the bag and you have yes, to take all the do. guts out of it and like do. That makes a good soup. We always had barley turkey barley soup was the leftover. That sounds with the carcass. Delicious. I can't remember what did my mom used to make something with the turkey afterward. Turkey stew. It was like turkey stew, turkey soup. There was something else she made with that also. And it's oh, like um oh, it's like a spread. It was like mm. a spread. Like you cut it up and you put like mayonnaise and relish and all those things in it. And it was like a turkey mm. spread as well. So there's lots of uses for the turkey. Wow. I like the stuffing. The and stuffing I don't like good. weird stuff in it. No oysters, no walnuts. Straightforward. Straightforward? Yes. That'll, the, that'll make it home. That you can cut like a square? Yes. Not the mushy? Because there's the mushy that's out there also. I mean, scooping it with a spoon is okay too, but not watery. The Like the more bready. Bready. Yes. So that's like, I can, I can munch on dressing forever. That is dressing and turkey the white meat of the turkey would be my favorite what about desserts what did you guys have was it just pumpkin pie pumpkin pie sweet potato pie of course lemon pie my mom used to make this killer lemon pie oh my gosh we got we did pecan pie my niece makes a pecanless pie don't ask me because i don't know i think it's like the the filling stuff, but there's no pecans in it. I've never been a fan of pecan pie. Yeah, I'm not as much. It's kind of just like gritty sugar. With Cool Whip. I mean, everything gets Cool Whip on yes, it. Yes, that was the one time of year we really got Cool Whip, and that was exciting. My my parents didn't buy Cool Whip outside of the holidays, so I could eat a whole tub. Of the Cool? Yeah. Now, there's the stuff in the can, the Ready Whip in the can. We never got that. I really? think that was way too advanced. But you've had it. <laughs> I have had it, yes. But the cool was the cool whip is in the tub. Yeah. Yeah. 
and you because it, it. it freezes good too. It does freeze good. <laughs> it, what's in that stuff? It's whipped cream. They probably have all kinds of preservatives. We have to like we could look it up and read the package. It might not be good. We might not eat it anymore if we do that. There we go. So my sense is, and I know that we are going to eat something delicious that represents this holiday season that we're in. That's right. And we're going to highlight a restaurateur and some of the restaurants that are going out of their way and making an effort to create these Thanksgiving meals. And we have a list. We do. That you so wonderfully shared. Yes, and I don't know that it's comprehensive, but it is what's out there right now that I could find out about uh, who is serving thanks like traditional Thanksgiving dinners with the bird. One of those, I don't know if there's a bird involved in this one, but one is Pig Beach. Yes. Astoria Provisions. Mm-hmm. Oliver's. That's going to be good. Victoria Garden Cafe. Yep. Bubba's Bistro. Yep, and where we're going to eat. Or should we give it away? Oh, maybe we shouldn't give it away. Let's not give it away. <laughs> but there's one more on the list that we're, we're not going to give away where the eat will be, but there's one more on the list for those individuals who are not meat eaters. Right. And that would be? Urban Vegan Roots. That looks tasty, actually. I mean, yeah. I'm seeing that photo, and yeah. there's something about vegan food that – it looks appetizing, and I'm more vis- I'm visual when it comes to food, and I think everyone is. It's because they use more mushrooms. Is that what it is? <laughs> mushrooms are good. Mushrooms are good <laughs> anytime. And there's a whole nother, we could travel down a whole nother route on, on mushrooms. But, yeah, mushrooms are good anytime. But it does look flavorful and yeah, delicious. Absolutely. So I can't wait for us to dig in and stick our fork in the Thanksgiving uh, we shall return. excited about where we are. I know. I'm excited to eat where we are. I think, okay, I'll, go ahead. Go share. ahead. I'll just share. <laughs> okay. So we are in this very special place, the Thirsty Koala at 3512 Ditmars. And we are here with the Thirsty Koala's head chef, executive chef. And um, let's see, we're going to eat some food. And Catherine, why don't you tell us something about you and where we are? Okay, well, hi, guys. <laughs> I feel very honored um, that you're here. Um, this is our first podcast. 
Wow, that's pretty exciting. Yay. Hopefully so, it won't uh, be the last. I know, right? <laughs> I hope not. I mean, you guys are a lot of fun, so it would be, it'd be really cool to see you again. But, uh, yeah, um, we've been in business since um, December of 2012. We're coming up on our 10-year anniversary. Um, we're going to be serving you guys some, uh, some classic koala fare. And um, that noise that you hear right now in the background is the classic cocktail that we're about to have, too. Right. Well, actually, this is a new cocktail um, that, that we just came up with uh, for a competition that we participated in at the Bonnie. I'm going to send some love to the Bonnie right now because yeah. they're a great place and they've got a wonderful staff. Um, so this cocktail is called the Billionaire Roy. Um, we were in this uh, competition called the Queen's Cup, um, and it was based on it was based on um, HBO series and the series that we you know were assigned was Succession. Oh, oh. nice! So we had to uh, you know pay homage to uh, to the Succession folks. So uh, we created what we call the Billionaire Roy, which is a play on a Rob Roy, um, but the liquor of choice was mezcal so Ooh. it's got a union mezcal and uh some glenlivet and uh, what else do we put in there we put in some amara montenegro and uh and aperol those are the liquors that are in there and everything else is a secret so if i tell you i'll have to kill you okay we don't want to be killed no off. i don't want to kill <laughs> not you yet not, not yeah. until after we eat <laughs> yeah you can try that right but try it i mean i love it it's my it's one of my favorites right now so and we're probably going to put that on the menu. It's not quite on the menu yet, but it'll probably be on the menu shortly. See, we're doing special things. Right. Thirsty Koala, where did that name come from? So um, prior to opening the restaurant, I worked for FDNY. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, when we were trying to f come up with names for the restaurant, um, Alex, uh, one of our partners, um, came up with, you know, well, we were looking to, you know, find some Australian-themed um, you know, catchphrases, catchy phrases. Right. And uh, Thirsty Koala came up, uh, and it was inspired by Sam the Koala, who was uh, rescued by a wildland firefighter during fires in Victoria. I think it was in, might have been 2010 or 2011. Oh, I don't remember wow. the year that that, that went, up, went down. But uh, he was very famous in Australia. Oh. And uh, sadly, he passed away, not, you know, not because of the fires. He right. wound up being rescued and living, you know. But uh, he, uh, he was our inspiration, so that's how we came up with the name. And koalas are thirsty. Koalas are thirsty. Yeah. It means, uh, actually, I think it means one who does not drink in Aboriginal. I'm not really sure. Oh, so oh it's, wow. It's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting name. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's how we came up with the name. And, uh, you know, we've been going strong since uh, December of 2012. And uh, two of the items, that, well, one of the items that you're going to have tonight is uh, something that was on our original menu, and it's won me some awards and, and recognition. It's our lamb lolly dish. Uh, we serve it with maple glazed pumpkin and a little bit of arugula, pomegranate, and a nice uh, lemon miso dressing. So you'll be getting that, and then we've got like a relatively new menu item, but not quite relatively new. It's it's been around at least. Oh, it came. It did. It's oh my beautiful. goodness. Okay. The, I know it. The <laughs> lamb lollipop. Oh boy, that was fast. I'm gonna wow. have to give uh, props to my guys in the back. And uh, so that's that's been you know on the menu since day one, and then we've also got a, a wagyu. Uh, beef burger that we call the Wagyu Bonzer Burger. Bonzer means top-notch in Australian slang. 
So it's a really yummy, delicious, juicy burger just because of the quality of the meats that we use here. We use amazing meats. We have a very, um, you know, amazing purveyor. North American Meats is our purveyor, and he gets us stuff from, you know, the lands down under from Oz, ah. you know, from New Zealand. Uh, so we're very, very, very Land fortunate. down under. That's, That's right. right. Oh, my gosh. I can smell the truffle, too, yeah. coming off those fries. Yeah. So we are literally, when, when listeners are listening this will be days out from thanksgiving you put on like all the bells and whistles for thanksgiving yes we do we have uh well it looks like a really yummy thanksgiving dinner i mean we have three courses um you can you can get two if you want uh three courses of 45 dollars per person two courses 42 um obviously the main course would be you know part of each package um and then you choose whether or not you want the appetizer or the dessert so we start with a butternut squash um, soup or a baby kale um, pear and beetroot salad with a, we, we toss our, uh, our pecans here um, in a brown sugar with some spice. Uh, so it's a spice pecan that goes into the salad also. And then we use uh, Koch Farms uh, turkey. We do the turkey breast. So if you're looking for the whole bird, I'm sorry, we don't, we don't have the whole bird. Um, candied uh, sweet potato, uh, some gravy, and apple cornbread stuffing. Um, we're doing charred Brussels sprouts with um, a little bit of Parmesan sprinkles on, and uh, a cranberry and um, nashi, which is an Asian pear uh, compote. Um, so that's the main course. And then for dessert, um, we're doing a pavlova. A pavlova is an Australian, um, New Zealand um, dessert. It's a meringue. Um, it's kind of soft and marshmallowy on the on the inside, and it's a little crispy on the outside, um, and it crumbles really nicely. And we're doing a, an apple spiced um, uh, compote to go on top of that, so it's going to be very yummy. So, what's the crowd like that comes in for Thanksgiving? Because a number of people, of <laughs> course, prepare their meals. They're up all night the night before preparing right. and families come over but what is the crowd like it's everybody i mean we get we get you know people who aren't able to make it to you know to their you know families we get families well we get people who uh don't want to cook <laughs> you know a lot of our regulars uh you know like to uh like to let us cook for them so it's uh it's a mix it's a real mix of people um there's no one particular type of crowd that comes to the koala, you know, we're uh, we're an equal opportunity, you know, nice. um, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Um, feeders. Feeder. That's right. <laughs> Everyone this comes right. to That's the right. Thanksgiving koala. menu looks absolutely yeah, it's delicious. Fun. It, it I mean, does. It does. Classic, but with really great, like, added perks, added right. Australian yes. flavors, too. Yes. Are we jumping into? Well, I already uh, kind of did. You did? Yeah, a little bit. I these had are the to. these are the lamb. What are these again? These are our lamb lollies. So lamb lollies. Um, oh my gosh. this meat's coming from New Zealand. Okay, so you got to get some of this. Uh, in in sauce in Australia, too, they would that? call them cutlets, but uh, you know, oh. I guess I guess in uh, in the United States, lollies is you know probably a more. Um, oh my gosh! Come on. This is That's delicious. Ridiculous. <laughs> this was delicious. Yeah, right, this I'm is really the glad juiciest. that you like them. Thing I've had in a really long time. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. Lamb lollies. Yes. So tell us more about you, Catherine, while we're having lamb lollies. Uh, well, me. What about me? I, I grew up in the restaurant industry. My parents and my aunts and uncles on my mom's side all had restaurants. So, uh, you know, I kind of lived it every summer. You know, when I would be off from school, I'd be, uh, you know, like 
in the kitchen doing something for them. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's kind of where my love, my love has always been. I wanted to do it when I was much younger. I wanted to open a restaurant when I was much younger, but uh, you know, my parents, I, I guess, didn't want that for me because they knew how hard it is to run a restaurant and how much of a sacrifice you know, it is. And uh, I'm kind of glad that they stopped me from doing it then. But, you know, I got married. I had kids of my own. They're grown up. My, my husband isn't, you know, necessarily, um, you know, broken up that I'm not home all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm only kidding, Manny. I love you. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know that he, I know that he does uh, get annoyed that I spend so much time here because, you know, when you run a restaurant, you know, you, you're here almost it's every everything. day. Yeah, That's it's right. every day for me. Lately, since the pandemic, it's been every day. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a labor of love. We, we have a wonderful staff that loves what they do. Um, my, my back of the house is really devoted, um, you know, to, you know, being consistent and putting out a quality product every time. This is a quality product. We have, thank you, thank you. We have great purveyors, like I said before. You know, we source from, um, we source from North American, and they bring us pastured meats. We use organic chicken. We use organic pork. Um, you know, we, we get our, um, our seafood from the New Fulton Fish Market with uh, purveyors that we've been using since we opened. So I'm, I'm, really, I'm really happy that we have those relationships. Oh, Incredible. my gosh. These are, are these like little sweet potatoes? What are these? No, that's our maple glazed pumpkin. Mm. It's pumpkin. It's so good. Right. Pumpkin. And pomegranate. Who knew, right? Who knew pumpkin could pumpkin. be so good? <laughs> I mean, Jeff gets excited about everything we eat, but I have never seen you devour something as fast as you this did that, so that lolly. Yeah. <laughs> the lollies, and we haven't even touched the burger yet. Not yet. Not yet. We'll get into that. I'm still, I, everything about it is delicious. Very, very good. Well, I'm very so glad that you like it. Catherine, tell me, tell us and our listeners about this cocktail that we're going to try. Okay, so the cocktail, like I said, was um, we actually placed third place in the competition. Um, you know, wasn't first, but I'm very happy that we placed. Um, it's a it's a the billionaire Roy, our play on a Rob Roy. So it has um, Montenegro Amara. It has. Um, what else do we have in there? Aperol, although those aren't the main ingredients. The main ingredient is uh, mezcal and uh, Glenlivet um, whiskey, wow. scotch, scotch whiskey. Yeah, the smoky goes with the right. smoky, which and then makes there's, it really uh, nice. And then we have some citrus in there. We've got a little bit of lime juice and uh, some uh, passion fruit also. Wow, fantastic. So also, I'm wondering what else you guys have coming up for the holidays. Are you doing anything else special? Um, well, we, we will be open for, uh, for the holidays. We'll be open Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and we will also be open on New Year's Eve. Um, I haven't prepared our menu yet for New Year's Eve, but we'll have um, some special event happening. It's, uh, it's a weekend, I believe, right? So uh, we'll definitely be serving brunch in the morning, and then we'll move on to the festivities on New Year's Eve you know, for New Year's Eve night. So I'm, I'm excited about that. New Year's Day will be open for brunch probably a little bit later because we're probably going to be here late on New Year's Eve. Right. So we've got to give the guys in the back a little bit of a break to get, get right. back in. <laughs> you know? I remember what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> chef to chef. Do they, call chef, to you, chef. Do they call you chef? Because Lauda was talking about when she was full-time in the restaurant. They Oh, for, for 20 years. Even my kid called me chef. Chef. Forever. Like, yeah. what is my my name? own child. Chef. I didn't have a name. Yeah, chef is, um, chef is definitely, it's, it's, I, I, I don't like when they call me that. Um, 
<laughs> I, I prefer to be called by my name. Um, I, I, I'm glad that they give me the respect, you know, of, of, you know, like, of that position. But I've, I've been with these guys for so long now that I really would prefer, you know, that they just call me by my name. Because, like I said, I've known them for, for years, and, and they're just wonderful, and, and I, I respect them. And speaking of names, how might someone find you if they were in the city, in Queens, and they wanted to come by the Thirsty Well, we, we have, we are on Instagram, we're on, um, on Facebook, we're, um, we're, we have a presence on Twitter, we, have, we also have a, a, a decent presence on TikTok. Um, so we're on, you know, most of the social media platforms. Uh, we have a, a great website that, you know, you just can, you know, Google us and find us on our website. Um, we, because we are, we are also a very allergen-friendly place, uh, most of, I'd say 99% of what we serve here is gluten-free, although we don't have a gluten-free certification for the restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, we, we do not use any type of flour here that would contaminate, you know, someone who was celiac. Yeah. So uh, we, uh, you know, we like I said, we serve mostly gluten-free food here. Um, everything can be prepared gluten-free, even the sandwiches and burgers, uh, which are probably the only items on menu that are not gluten-free. And what's the the go-to item on your menu when pe persons come in and they're like, "Give me the best thing on the menu." Well, I mean, you're having one of the best things there. Our our, our lamb. Agreed. Our lamb is uh, is pretty solid. It's it's something that you know, like I tried to change it up, and then people got mad at me for taking it off. <laughs> so I put it back. Uh, our our lamb, our steak. Our, we use um, a pastured uh, New Zealand, um, you know, New York strip steak, which is also very popular. The wagyu that you're that you haven't had yet. That's, oh, we're about to jump. That's calling into. your name. Um, you know, that's, that's also something that, uh, that people love. Our seafood, we have Australian sea bass. Um, we do that um, almondine style. So we just toss some almonds on top and bake that in the oven. And then we finish it with uh, a citrus uh, gur blanc, which is uh, white wine, butter, um, herb, and uh, capers. Jeff, uh, the other great thing about um, that day is that we had been talking about what other uses of pumpkin when we were talking exactly. about all yes. of our Thanksgiving yeah. favorites, yeah. and that is one of the best pumpkins I've had outside of a pie. It really is, because it tastes like something else. It doesn't it's taste savory. like pumpkin. It's savory. It's yes, also savory. It yeah. It's very savory. It's savory. So it's, it's, got, it's got all the, the bells and whistles of pumpkin, but it's savory. Wow. I love a good bell and whistle on a pumpkin. <laughs> you know, if you're starting with really great ingredients and you're sourcing them from really great places, you're going to have a much better outcome, and you can really tell that this stuff is sourced well. Really delicious. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, think so. Amazing. Yeah. Uh -huh. Delicious. I say we jump into this burger. That's right. So tasty. So is there anything else, Catherine, you want to share with our um, I don't no, I'm just grateful to be here. Like I said, I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so, so grateful to the community that we're still here after COVID, you know, that we've survived. Um, you know, we're still here. And how yeah. was COVID for you? Uh, COVID was, I guess, is, it was just like it is for everybody else. It, it's been difficult. Um, you know, some of us, you know, got sick from it. Some of us, uh, um, you know, like 
had some, I had to lay off people in the beginning, obviously, but they're all back. You know, most of them have come back. Well, but, we need uh, to make sure we get all of our listeners to return to indoor dining because that's yes. another big push yes. that's very, very yes. important in my opinion. It is. Um, so to stop doing just delivery, even though that was a lifeline, is a lifeline for us, but to return to indoor dining, to be adventurous. And I've, I was listening to a podcast recently where someone called in and said, Thirsty Koala is my favorite restaurant. So if it is your favorite restaurant, come in and eat and eat regularly. Yes. Thank yes. you. Thank you for that. <laughs> yes. And with that, I think we'll continue eating and some parting words. That's right. <laughs> Stay adventurous and eat local. Check out our website, www.queenschamber.org. You can find us on YouTube at Queen's Best, the podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Queen's Best, the podcast. Thank you for listening. Shout out to our behind-the-scenes team. That's right. Dane. I'm forgetting names. Dane, Rona, <laughs> Spencer, Summer, the great behind-the-scenes team that helps us keep yes. this thing moving. That's right. Peace and love, and until next time.